Lydia, what is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the most fun one-hour show on the internet right now, which up, is man? Show and Tell. There's also that zoo show where you like watch penguins, but mm, I think this is up fun. there. I have seen Hard some to compete with penguins. Penguin nest. Um, okay. We like Linux, though. That's right. We're right. here. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, with me as Mr. Lady Ada on Camera Control. And for the next hour, we're going to be checking in with all sorts of makers and community members who are doing cool stuff, and we want you to come by, too. So whether you're crafting or soldering or coding or 3D printing or knitting, whatever you're doing, we want to see these projects, where you're at, what you're learning. This is a place for us to all share in a safe place. That's right. We, we do this uh, every year. Yeah. We've been doing it for a decade. Uh, now we do it at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's right. And every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. And uh, we also have special guests. That's right. We do that. Let's kick it off with some special guests who okay. have cool stuff to show us. So first up, um, we've been debuting the latest issue of Hackspace now for a few months. And uh, Ben's here, editor Hello. of Hackspace. And uh, amazing that not only can you get a magazine out per month, but you're also doing doing this during all of this. So uh, once again, congratulations and kudos to your entire team. Um, Thank you. I, I remember what it takes to do things like magazines every Ooh. month. So check so, it out. Uh, what are the lead stories and more in this issue this month, Ben? Um, well, yeah, as you can see, we're doing a smart home. We're all spending a bit more time at home at the moment, while a lot of us are. Um, so, yeah, looking at ways you can sort of hack your home, introduce sort of cool gadgets and technologies into it. Um, yeah, and a few other bits and pieces as well, looking at CircuitPython. Um, I made a radio this month, which I'm really excited by, even though it's really hacky. Um, it's been something I wanted to do for ages. And um, yeah, loads more. Should we uh, dive in? Yeah. Yeah, let's gonna, go through it. I'm going to keep going through. So um, you get the welcome as usual. Um, it's always good. You have uh, some information about the specific stories. Um, of course, this month you said it's all about at-home projects. And uh, I like how you've weaved in, you know, some of the current um, projects, like, you know, everyone's making face masks and more. And I've seen um, some yeah. really interesting things in here. Ben, did we lose you? If we lose Ben, if we lose Ben, he can come. That's okay. Back. We can. We he can come can back. Win. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show some of this stuff. Like Ben. Okay, let's just keep going. Yeah. Come on, let's just see. All it. right. So, um, in the different sections. By the way, this is why we get the PDF in advance. Yeah. Um, in the different sections, um, what I usually do is I'm like, well, what, uh, you know, what things can I quickly send to the team for us to cover for, um, our blog and more. So, um, this is nice. Yeah. You know, I've saw a few. So, this is by Lady Frankenstein. Um, I saw a few different permutations of like masks that people have been making. And this is an alien face mask. And this is like, of yeah. course, what you, if you have to wear a mask, this is what you want. Looks great. And so comfy. Yeah. And uh, hornets are in the news too. Hornet. Yeah. Murder hornets. Um, digital camera. Oh, this is like Philby's um, Raspberry Pi camera code. Yeah, now that the new camera's out, you can yeah. do a lot, a lot more. Yeah, with look stuff. at it; it's our display. Yeah, if you see uh, Ben pop in, let me know, and yeah. I'll, I'll get him back in. Okay. Um, and then. Profanomatics. Yeah. Swearing at home. And then free station. Oh, this is always fun. I love these free form. Yeah. Projects. This is like a molded. This is a time measure. Oh, it's um, it, oh, it controls the tape measure. Time instead. To tell you the time. Yeah. That's neat. And then from here, you got the object art. And, 3D printed displays. Um, oh, this is um. This will be very familiar for a lot of you. This Liz was on the cover. Clark's project. And uh, congratulations, Liz. By the way, you are now 
amongst uh, one of the many female engineers and makers that have been on the cover of magazines. Cover girl. Always like to say it, we are what we celebrate. And so uh, congratulations, Liz, on uh, being a cover model for this. Yeah, and she's been doing so many collaborations with Noe and Pedro, and yeah. uh, it, they're awesome. It's a great mix. Okay, so, so some, some digital, digital making at home. home. Yep. Okay, and, and all about Liz. Yeah, what's cool about Liz's story is Liz talks about her story and uh, how she's making stuff, why, and where she's been publishing. And uh, the turning point is when I started working with CircuitPython and Raspberry Pi. And uh, this was neat to see. We didn't know Liz was doing this, but this is some of the things that we've heard a lot too, is like there's a lot of like gateway drugs into electronics, um, and this is one of them. Um, CircuitPython and Raspberry Pi in particular, uh, especially if you're learning a coding language, if you learn Python, you can now take it to a lot of other places. So you can kind of see all the projects that unlocked uh, for Liz. And we're adding so many support for things like MIDI over Bluetooth and yeah. like, you know, keyboard matrix handling for the projects that she's doing. So she she always pushes projects to the limit, which I really like because it it shows what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Um, this is kind of neat. This is one of our friends in cosplay. Um, Arduino stuff. Bigger, bolder, messier. Uh, don't forget, you know, Wireframe is also another magazine that the Pi Foundation does. Uh, they give all these away. You can also subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. Um, smart home segment. This is uh, for section. They say segment because it's like a video. We're doing a video. It's, but, right. it's, yeah. a, it's a segment. It's a segment. Um, building your first sensor. Okay, so like ESP32 projects. Yeah. So if you've Grafana. been sitting on the fence for what you want to have your home controlled by, Now's a chance to do it on your own. Oh, there's if this and that. Yeah. Potato fruit. And like, even if you eventually decide, like, oh, let me get a commercial solution that like big company makes, might be a good idea to try to rule your own at least first. Okay, um, look at this massive clock. Yeah. Okay, built on the mega the workshop. This is that radio he said he built. Yep. This is Kyle. Kyle. Kyle's from my fix it. And uh, one of the cool features uh, is some of the makers behind all this. Some of the hackers and more. I think I fix it as like. And he's like an activist now. Yeah. It's not cool. only not only that, but like every time there's a phone or there's a new thing, everyone kind of waits like, when is iFix it going to happen? Yeah, I use iFix actually a lot because um, whenever I'm like, oh, what what chipset? For example, I was like interested in what the Amazon Echo Dot, like what chipsets did they use? Yeah. They, they have great teardowns and they show close-ups of all the chips, so I can see like what their processors yeah. are. Um, and then, you know, relevant to our interest, this is drawing graphics with CircuitPython. If you want to draw graphs with uh, CircuitPython, you can make uh, speedometer-like gauges with almost any data. You can see that mm. up there. So, you know, that's, of course, interesting to us because not only can you do that on a small device like Clue, but then you could take that code and do other things with it on other platforms that support. Yeah, Melissa's working on um, porting the display I/O stuff yeah. to Blinka, so it'll work on Linux boards. So it'll be more school making. Um, nice. You know, huge diverse group of people and projects. 3D printing filaments, PETG, um, make your projects stronger. A lot of people have been using this more, of course, with uh -huh. the face shields. Uh, make math. This is uh, from Gareth, who uh, longtime make contributor, also uh, for blogger. And uh, you can see this is Jen Fox with a bunch of math and more uh, pop-up cards. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. I always wondered what, so, how they make them. What's neat is like, you know, one, please subscribe because it's nice to see magazines uh, thrive, especially now. Um, but you can download this. And these are a lot of good projects if you are looking for things to do with young folks or if you're looking for activities and projects and more. And uh, a lot of these things are things that you can do at home. So, you know, the, the magazine has adapted to what a lot of people have or things that they can get access to. 
Um, so that's this issue. Um, you can Don't continue to see, yeah, uh, this is from Mark DeBank, uh, also a friend of Rosa, just emailed with Mark. Um, and uh, you can see here some Adafruit stuff. It looks like we got nine out of 10 for- This is our, an old project. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Simon Says. Simon says so speed. Um, so this is a little speeder, pirate radio. Pirate radio. The, the Pomeroni Pi Zero kits are great. Yeah. I love those. Okay, there's an Arduino I'm book. Hack it with less. You can hack Commodore 64. So. Oh, this is new. Yeah, I can't wait to carry these. I think they're, yeah. they're coming out soon. So this is uh, one of the things that we've been pretty happy about is now we just see Featherwings. We don't know about them when they're coming out. We just see them, and it's cool to see um, Pimeroni. They have a Featherwing now as well. And then the Pi camera came out, um, and uh, they did an excellent review. Uh, we have them at Adafruit. Uh, that you'll be able to get shortly. Microbit for Mad Scientists. This is a book from uh, Seven no Starch. Mike. Yeah. And uh, No Starch is one of the best publishers out there. So this is really good to see. And then um, you'll next see month. next issue Extreme Makes projects that push the envelope, robotic making, fiberglass, 3D printing, and much, much more. You can subscribe hsmag.cc slash subscribe. And uh, also check out things like here's a um, new campaign effort. You can hashtag your photos for Raspberry Pi. Uh, hashtag shot on Raspberry Pi, share your photos. And then here's some nice, uh, I like their backgrounds that they have for some of the back pages. I'm gonna, ask them cool. if, I'm gonna ask them if they can make these available for like background images. And more. It's like you wanna draw on it so you can just, you, yeah, see, you can't cool. go outside to tag, you could just stay inside and get yeah. your Sharpie. So tag. that's Hackspace uh, for this issue. Um, I think- Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It's yeah. free to download the PDF, but when you subscribe, uh, it's very inexpensive. You can get free stuff if you uh, subscribe for one year. And it means you can give it away when you're done. Yeah. So that's Hackspace Magazine. Thank you, Ben, for kicking it off. Um, and we were able to uh, help out and show this. I think if Ben was trying to get back in, um, it was probably full. So if he comes back on later, he could talk about stuff. But the guests keep rolling. Next up, Sean. Sean. How's it going, Sean? Hello. Sean. Good. Welcome. How are you guys doing okay. in New York? Classic bow tie. Thank we're you. Wearing black. You're uh, wearing a bow tie. It's like nothing's changed. We're all on brand. Exactly. Exactly. Got to keep it on brand, right? All right, Sean, what do you got going on? So I don't know if you can see it because I've got the camera feed. I'm, I'm making an, an anomaly detection system using neural networks. And you can place it a little blue light in the fan what? behind me. So I took an... What's that? Yes, we see it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. You can kind of see it. So I've got a battery running an ESP32 and an um, MSA301 accelerometer. And it's looking for vibration data. And a ceiling fan is kind of silly. The idea is to create an anomaly detection system for a motor in general. So this might be like a car engine or think like the Mars Rover or something you can't get to or it's really expensive and you wanna know if something's happening, something's wrong before you have to make really costly repairs. So this is just a demo that I'm running on a fan because it's a machine, it's a motor that I can run at a constant speed. And if, let me see if I can share my screen here so I can kind of show what's going on. Uh, share screen. All right, y'all can see that? Now we can. All right. So this is, I took a picture, this was yesterday when I set this up, I took a picture of what I've got going on. So I've got the Feather Huzzah 32 that's piping data from the MSA301 accelerometer. And it's just giving me raw, like 200 samples across the span of about a second to my laptop. And the idea here is that, you know, if you, if you look at this normal state, this might be what I call a normal state is just the fan running on low. An anomaly is anything else, whether the fan's off, the fan's on high, I hit the blades, mm. I take a quarter of the blades. 
And we can kind of see that there's a difference here between the anomaly and the normal sample. But the idea is to train a machine to say, hey, something's wrong, and then you know, use Wi-Fi to alert me or sound an alarm or whatever it might be. So what I'm doing in my case is that I have my little sensor on my ceiling fan. I've, I've sent raw data to a machine learning. I'm using TensorFlow to train a model. And then I'm going to save that model on something else. Now, you can run this on like a Raspberry Pi um, that's doing what's called inference. And that's looking for the anomalies ultimately in real time. But I'm just going to run it on my laptop for the sake of a demo. Um, for now, I'm not going to get into autoencoders because we only have about five minutes. But if you're curious, um, I, want you I definitely to all machine learning in two and a half minutes. Okay. <laughs> yes, ready, ready, go. So I, I will briefly say an autoencoder is a very is a specific type of neural network, and it allows us to do things like anomaly detection. Um, so if you're not familiar with those, I recommend checking out. Uh, I'm working on some videos for DigiKey, and I've got all my code posted up on GitHub. So I'm going to bring up the demo portion, and I know everyone likes staring at a console, but it's running right now, and it's giving me raw data from the accelerometer on the fan. It's coming to my laptop, and my laptop's going, is there an anomaly or not? And what you're looking for really is if you see where it says normal here, when it, I'm going to go do something to the fan. I'm going to go tap on the blades, just lightly hit it, and see if I can get an anomaly to appear. All right, so here I go. Oh, I'm going to go tap. Fingers. What's that? Yeah, cross my fingers. Yeah, demo day, right? <laughs> here we go. Oh, oh, anomaly. There it is. There was an anomaly. <laughs> so, anomaly detected. So Good. it's just telling me that something went wrong with the fan. Um, and I tried it like, you know, one quarter taped. One quarter taped on the fan blades doesn't really work, but two, it starts to show yeah. something. Um, and if it's off or like on high, it's like there's an anomaly. Something's not right with this motor. So it worked. I think this is really interesting because this is what a lot of people want to do with machine learning. And, and when we were doing machine learning, the thing that we saw is that if you want to recognize the MNIST numbers, there's tons of tutorials for that, right? And then if you want to run like YOLO to detect like faces or fruit or whatever, you can do that. But anything else, it's like draw the owl. It's like, you're completely on your own. There's like, they're like, oh, you make a model. How do you do that? Ah, you know, like you manipulate the data until you get a model. It's like, there's no information. It's like. It's such a thin layer yeah. of knowledge. This right is now. useful for machines that are vibrating. You've seen some power tools that have like kickback detection. There's a lot of things that you can have edge computing on the physical world, and now you're able to show it. So good, good work and good example, Sean. Yeah, thank you. And and much to Lamore's point, real quick, that's exactly what I'm trying to work on because there's all these canned demos, and they're like, oh, it detects, you know, it detects this word. I'm like, how do I train my own word? Eh, good luck. So I'm trying to break that layer and teach people like, here's how you can make your own models. Exactly yeah, what people don't like realize how much you have to get data. Like it's like, oh, okay, take like three things and train it. And it's like, no, you need to get like 200 samples or 500 samples if you really want to train a model. These, these are very, like literally, they're dumb machines. They don't yeah. know. So you have bit to of an art, bit of an art form um, yeah. that that needs to be um, shown and. Thank you, Sean, for right, not I'm only safe. showing your work, but having it on GitHub. And uh, please continue to come back as you make more progress with these. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Actually, you know what would be a, a good project, if you, don't, if you don't mind me recommending the next one? Because I've heard from people that a common Internet of Thing, industrial Internet of Thing question is whether a compressor is running and whether it's run recently. Because what happens oh, is that the compressors, they go bad or the filter goes bad. They start running too often because they need to be cleaned out or they're not running enough. Like they're, they're 
they're turning on and off and you can detect it with sound, but you don't, like you don't, nobody notices because everyone's like, oh, the compressor's running. Is it running more? I don't know. But if you had a machine to track it, if you had, you know, machine learning or something to tell, like how, what's a common rate of the compressor turning on and off that usually tells you when it needs to be serviced. Um, yeah, that's true. You could probably detect if it's on or off pretty simply, just like is the accelerometer vibrating. But what's, but you know, it, it, the, the amount it turns on and off changes during the day. So it's like, you can't just hard code it. Right, right. You'd have to like, you know, do the anomaly detection for like, oh, it's normal to turn on and off about this many times. But then you have to build in how much you're using it because then it turns on more, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's a tough problem. Yeah. It's a very tough problem. Yeah. Puzzle within a puzzle. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, Sean. And um, people can check out the video Absolutely. series on DigiKey. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, if you could in Discord or in the YouTube chat or whatever, put all the links up and more. And um, if, uh, if it doesn't let you hit the links, um, just get it to our team and we'll make sure that we get it up on the blog or whatever as well. Yeah, sure thing. Sweet. All right. Thank you all. Thank you so much, Sean. All right. Let's Come go on, to JP. JP, what you, got going on? what you got going on this week? Hey, guys. Uh, so what I've got going on this week is a demo of using a circuit Python board. In this case, it's a Feather M4 to play back MP3 audio without a special decoding chip. So this is a big deal. We've now got uh, software decoding of MP3s. Amazing, happening right in CircuitPython. And it's uh, it's really easy to use. I've started using it over the last week. I'm working on a guide uh, right now for it. And one of the reasons I'm excited about it is that I wanted to build a sample player for a very special friend of mine who is uh, Lars. This is Lars. Terrible. Say hello to Lars. No. Don't so make me Lars, say hello. You may notice uh, Lars has a USB hub in his foot that I placed there. Uh, and that's so that I can code and charge up the battery on a similar device to what I have in here. Uh, it's also got a speaker on it and I've got uh, one of our enable switches so I can turn him on and off. So I think I've got him on right now and I'm using tap detection. Uh, when I tap on the feather, which is back here, he should play a little sample. Don't be so serious. Or am I? Yeah. Joseph. It's the teeth that is the creepy part. Yeah. I'm so happy. I love and fear him. Uh, and and this is pretty cool. So so um, this package is literally that small with the battery inside. I have one of our little 400 milliamp hour batteries. So I was able to insert everything just through the foot. I, I just flipped some stitches here pulled everything up and through, was able to snake the little uh, uh, enable switch over here. The speaker is kind of near where his mouth is. Uh, and I put the featherboard in a little plastic bag so that I could pull it up without it grabbing on the batting in there. Uh, so I took pictures of this as I went. I've got a guide that I'm working on. And uh, that means you too will be able to uh, embed audio in your own murder puppet. Right on. Yay. And JP, so you have a lot of shows going on during the week and you're also going to be part of the make virtual fair this Saturday. So you have the Tuesday make code show. And yes. Make code live on Tuesdays on the Microsoft uh, mixer channel, as well as some of our channels that it broadcasts. Yeah. And then uh, you have your show on Thursday, Thursday workshop show right here. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday if folks want to catch up with you. You'll be part of the make virtually. Uh, it reminded me cause you have your make crew shirt, That's which right. I have an identical one cause both you and I work to make. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be reliving our glory days and and uh, doing a talk at Maker Fair. Uh, so okay. there's going to be a virtual Maker Fair this weekend, uh, and I'm going to do a talk about a couple of projects, uh, COVID related projects, in fact, 
Um, and I think we've got a few different of our team members who are going to be showing yep. up to talks at different times. So go check it out. Uh, I, I assume they're going to be broadcasting out to a bunch of different places. Some right. will be uh, pre-recorded. I think I'll be doing mine live, so anything can happen. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, and I'll also be doing a little show and tell tomorrow after my uh, workshop live stream. So a little mini half hour show and tell. So lots right. of videos. Yeah. We're looking forward to all those shows and uh, maybe we'll have virtual paella afterwards on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Gerard's. That would be yeah. wonderful. Hang on the line together. All right, all thanks, right. JP. Okay. Thank you, Lars. All right. Next up, Brent. Brent. Hello, Hi. Brent. What you got going I'm, on? This I'm week? scared of Lars. I'm we all are. Not the, yeah. We yeah. are. We just work here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the largest Lars fan. Although it is cool. I don't know where he got that puppet. So um this past week I've been texting, but texting nobody. I've been texting sensors. So um I've been working on adding SMS functionality to the phone module library for CircuitPython, and it makes it easier than ever because Python's really good at parsing strings and text messages are strings. And um, once you get a text message back, you can do a bunch of different stuff with it. So for example, this is a Phona GPS module and it's an 808 and that has both cellular, it can do data, it can do GPS, it can do uh, phone calls. And it, there's also a BME sensor on this. It's kind of soldered back there. And that sensor can do temperature, pressure, and humidity. And you can text your, let me focus this in. You can text the module help and help actually takes the longest because it's a lot of data coming back from uh, the signal. Mm -hmm. Like the packet itself is very large. Yeah. Okay. So it's a rather like kind of like a, a bot that would text you. Like if you're at a store and you sign up for their mailing list Yeah. and you can text the temp and it will send back the temperature and you can also text it. Well, I'll wait for the temperature to come back. It's this module is over 2G. There's a module over here that's a 3G one that I started working on today. So send back because the temperature and the, the, the SMS has to get there, parse, and then another SMS is sent back. And SMS isn't you know instant. And SMS does take a few seconds. Yeah, it takes a little bit, but really, like I'm used to Wi-Fi. Right, like everybody's so used to like instantaneous uh, data readings at this point, but it's really nice because like if you were using HomeKit or something else, you would have to go into the app. You would need a really strong signal because you would be loading up a lot of different data. Like you would be loading one sensor and then maybe my door alarm. So with this, you could be out of the house. All you need is a cellular tower and you can just text it. Yeah. Now, this is really or common. Like, People want to like get, they want to automate their property or their home, but they want to make sure that it isn't internet dependent. So they use uh, cellular modules. And it's very effective. You just text it what you want to know and it tells you. Yeah. It would also be good for if you're deploying something in the field. Like uh, Jepler just mentioned, does it do anomaly detection? Like this combined with <laughs> yeah. what Sean was doing would have been re like really interesting. <laughs> get on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's what I've been working on. All right, thank you so much, Brian. And there's a guide even for people who want to follow along. Check out the yeah, guide. I'm we'll learning about that tonight. Thanks, Brent. All right, thank you, Brent. All right, next up is Jeff Anomaly. Hey, Jeffler, how's it going? I oh, know we can't hear you. You're anomalous. Hello. There you go. You sound great. So I was just uh, saying that JP uh, spoiled the big news, which is playing back MP3s. 
But another guide that went live today is for the Pi Gamer MP3 player, which uh, Phil helpfully called Jet Player. Yeah. So you boot it up and got your track list, and I really thought it was going to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some of oh, your play favorites. On MPI yeah, play on MPI. Can you hear that? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. All right. Looks like your webcam doesn't like all yeah. this. <laughs> so you can there you go. All right, so it's playing MP3s and do you want to talk yep. a little bit about the MP3, the process you did? Sure. So there was actually an existing circuit or uh, Arduino library for MP3s. And uh, we just brought that across and linked it into CircuitPython. And if you look at a simple program, it's really a lot like just playing a wave file. So you would say uh, x equals wave file of whatever .wav. You just change wave to MP3 in a couple of places, and off you go. And this particular uh, device is playing them off of an SD card. So, you know, you put your eight gigs or 16 gigs of music. So tons of albums, tons of room for your music. And uh, yeah, you just get to put an MP3 player in your pocket and rock out again like it was the early 2000s. That's right. Yeah, if you missed out on all the adventures with a Zune, um, you know, don't, don't let this wave uh, go by again. You can now basically make your own music player, which is a really powerful thing. Um, that's one of the things when MP3 players came out, we're all like, well, I want to make my own. Oops, and did back jump. Um, so thank you so much. And yeah. the guides out and more, so we'll talk about that tonight. And folks can start to play around with this uh, right away. And what I really like about this is there's a couple things that Jeff did that he's not going to promote as much because he's modest, is that it can play multiple MP3s at the same yeah. time, which is a very rare and difficult thing to do. Um, most decoder chips only do one at a time. So because we're controlling the data read, we can do multiple MP3s at once. I think we have two or three that we can play at the same time off of QSPY because it's really fast. Mm -hmm. And working on speeding up the SD card so you can play multiple MP3s. Off right. Of so uh, JP, I think, is actually working on a demo of multiple samples. Uh, I have the code floating around. And as soon as we land this SD card improvement, then we'll be able to play at least two from SD card simultaneously, one from internal flash and one from SD card, all the combinations. Yeah. And then you can also mix it with a raw sample or a wave file, whatever you need. It's kind of mix and match. Yeah, this stuff is super powerful. I mean, it's it's extremely difficult to do um, and people would always have to get extra chips. And I love that it's it's built in, it makes projects easy, it makes them inexpensive, it makes them powerful because you can play mm -hmm. and pause um, whenever you like. Uh, so Og Vorbis next. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's out of patent, so that means we can, that's right. you know. Right, that's the it. reason that we can do it now. I yeah. love that. All right, thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, we're using thank the you. real player MP3 decoder. That's it's right. like, it's so cool. It's like real players back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this is code from real player. From 2000, they were so cool. They released it open source. That's right. I mean, whatever it takes. Okay. All right, next up. Now, Pedro, now Pedro. what's going on this week? Hey, what's up, hey. folks? Yeah, so uh, this week we kind of took last week's project and made it into a wearable. So to remind everybody, this is uh, so inside our little 3D printed case is the uh, the feather with the NRI 52840. So with that, we can do some some BLE stuff. So I have it paired with my device, and when you pair it with your device, it'll ask you if you want to allow notifications so that you can display your notifications and feel them. 
So we have the uh, the feather scents inside the little case here, and here's our little where am I? Our little uh, DVR uh, 2605L. That's the haptic motor driver. It has all the nice, fun, buzzy buzzness, so we can assign different buzzes to different apps. And right now, um, uh, Liz actually set up the code so that different uh, types of notifications will display different LED colors. Cool. Go ahead, please. Oh, there we go. So there we go. So right now it was showing uh, like this pinkish color. It was for like Instagram, and yeah. then the green one is for SMS stuff. So okay. a phone call or a text message, it'll turn green. And I felt it too, and it feels lovely <laughs> on your wrist. Uh, we three D printed the wristband in NinjaFlex, so it's flexible. You're able to um, uh, make all sorts of fun uh, wristbands uh, with NinjaFlex. Uh, and what is it now? Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's Instagram. Uh, there's, a, there's a good assortment of them, so check it out on um, in the Learn Guide, which is uh, which got published today. We also did a 3D Hangout show in the morning where we talked about that and other stuff as well. So, Right on. Well, we showed in the videos, uh, guides. And I'm looking forward to the remixes of this where you know people have a little bracelet, uh, Black Mirror style perhaps, and if you're not posting enough things on Instagram, it's red Ooh. and you're <laughs> shamed, you. and you have to keep publishing content until it gets green. Go. And then you're allowed in the club. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Don Pedro. And Excellent. don't forget, folks, you can watch Don Pedro's show every single Wednesday, 3D Hangouts, and more. Fun facts. When I was a senior in college, Nokia came by the Media Lab and said, hey, you know, we want people to do projects with this open phone API. And this is one of the projects I pitched them. I was like, oh, let's take a bracelet that buzzes when you get a phone call. Wow. And there was it was like 15 days of like NDA wrangling to try to get them to give us access to the API. And in the end, they didn't. Um, there was no way to know when you got a phone call or a SMS message on these Nokia phones. Yeah. Yeah. But, but have, now we can do it. Times have changed. Times have changed. All right. Well, well. Awesome. Thanks, folks. Thanks. Sometimes projects take 20 years or so. That's fine. <laughs> All right. It's a marathon, not a sprint phone. It okay. is. All right. Kenny and Roy, how's it going? What you got going on? This Hello. Week? Hello. So what I've going on this week is LEDs. Ooh, yay! Yay! I know. <laughs> Ta -da. Um, so two years ago, uh, we were at PyCon, and I was complaining about how rainbows were too slow. And Roy said, hey, I can fix it. And two years later, here we are. Um, what? This, there's two there's two things going on here. One is a CircuitPython library, and two is something called PixelBuff, which is actually built into CircuitPython. And it takes the um, LED math and puts it into the core of CircuitPython and pulls it out of running on Python, which makes it much, much faster. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here real quick. And hopefully that shows up. Yes. Yeah. So this one here is not running. Um, Pixel buff. It's actually running a previous Ooh. version of Pixel that doesn't use Pixel yeah, buff. And this one is actually running much faster than it looks like. Oh, the the oh, frame rate is. is too high. It's so high. Okay, you so get cool nails. Those are Roy's. Yeah, they're running the same animation. Um, but the one is obviously much faster. So what? What we've got going on is um, PixelBuff is running, like I said, the math for the for talking to the pixels in the core, um, which makes it much faster. And we have everything updated, and everything is using PixelBuff now, except for one board, um, which we will get to. 
And um, so you too can have much faster rainbows. Yeah. Um, animations library, which is more recent, um, has in it uh, helpers to work with um, strips that are in the form of a grid. This is actually 13 strips that are in series. And with two lines of code, I can turn it into a 13 by, um, by 20 pixel grid and the library just works. So I can run a one line animation that runs on it. As you can see, this one is running up from the bottom to the top um, that runs on it as a grid. And uh, Roy wrote most of this code, <laughs> pixel buff for sure. And um, a lot of the LED animation code as well. Um, and all this came out of me complaining rainbows were too slow. So I'm super excited that we have squeaky, much faster rainbows now. The squeaky wheel gets the rainbow. All right. Pretty much. Well, and also Chatney and your helper, Roy. Um, all participants on the show and tell who work on Pixel Buff for two years get a wall size as seen on show and tell LED wall. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> You're the winner of that yeah. fine wall, which you own. All, all right. right. Well, thank you. thank you so much. And uh, if you don't mind, um, after this in Discord, can you post up some of the links so folks can check this out more? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank okay, you, Chatney, cool. And thank you, helper, Roy. All right, next up, more pixels. Speaking of rainbows. Paint your dragon. And more paint your dragon. What's going on this week? Oh my goodness, pixels. Okay. Hey, I joked last week that I keep bringing by the same matrix and bundle of wires every week. And so anyway, I'm back this week with the same matrix and bundle of wires. But uh, the microcontroller this week is a Teensy 4, which, uh, boy, this is like the ghost pepper of microcontrollers. It, <laughs> it is a beast. Uh, we have the protomatter matrix code working on TNC4. I'm going to have TNC4.1 in a day or two, and I just want to verify the code works there as well. And then this will get merged into the Adafruit protomatter library for Arduino, which is kind of the first stop on the way to CircuitPython. Yeah, I'm totally um, loving this protomatter. I was I was playing with it, and it's so fast and buttery smooth. And um, I mean, I love the old RG matrix library, but I'm also really happy that we put the effort into making this new library um, just because it works so well on so many platforms and is just like joyful. You, you tested the chaining displays yesterday, right? I tested 64 by 64, which is another thing that the old RG matrix um, library didn't support. Yeah, it was just, it, had, it was painted into a corner. It couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, especially if we were like supporting both 8-bit AVRs running at like 16 megahertz and, you know, Cortex M4s running at 120. It's just like your code, it's tough to share code. Yeah, yeah. It's just, there's a fundamental change that happens there. Along okay. The well, people right. loving it. Well, thank you so much, Paint Your Dragon. You See you next week. Same time, okay. same place, same screen. I know. Same bring screen. back the same battle. Bring just bring it back. We're going to do this. We're going to keep doing this. All right. Next up, we're going to go to Scott. Hello, Scott. What do you got going on this week? Hello, I was hoping to have the overhead going, but it's not cooperating with me, which makes me want to do camera and USB video support in CircuitPython. Yeah. Because okay. then I would be able to fix best it. Way, best way to fix that HDMI device is to make a whole new one. Yeah, you should do it. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm all for this. Do it. Open source. Yeah. It's better than not even a website with firmware on it. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> um, what I've been working on is the ESP32-S2. Um, last week we got it blinking on the live stream that I've been doing on Fridays 
And I wanted to make sure and stop by show and tell because this week I'm going to do it a day earlier uh, because I'm going to take Friday off to make a long weekend. Uh, so I will be doing it just after three on Thursday. So after JP's show and tell, I'm going to uh, snag in and jump in after him. So uh, I'll put a blog post up and uh, let people know, try to get the word out, but it'll be a day early. And um, yeah, we'll be doing bus IO. So I squared C, spy and UART, depending on Ooh. how quickly we can get through that. That unlocks mm -hmm. a lot of good stuff. It really does. And I squared C in particular unlocks a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. I was thinking about making a breakout for the back of these salas and Mark Olson just let me know that like, Oh, I just did that. I'll post it tomorrow. So right. that'll be super cool. I'm excited to see that. I'm hoping he put a feather footprint on it, but maybe didn't cause that would be ideal. All right. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Yeah. And uh, maybe afterwards you could post the show information in discord and YouTube so folks can see it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do the blog right now and then I'll link to the blog post. Right on. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. Hey, right, thanks Scott. Thank you. See you tomorrow. All right. Next up, Liz. Hello, Liz. Hello. How Wait, are you? I know Liz. Is that Liz for the cover of a magazine, Liz? I think it is. That is. Get her autograph. Yeah. Please. Hello. 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 I was like, I knew, I knew Liz before. Thank you. All right, how's it going? What you got going yeah. on? Uh, I'm going to share my screen because uh, I have a big xylophone update with a demo. Uh, right. So I've got some MIDI and I have the xylophone all um, hooked up and everything, all keys. Uh, and so I ha I'm have a MIDI in Ableton right here. It's going out over Bluetooth to the xylophone. Uh, important to note that that USB is actually a power supply, so it's not connected to my computer at all. Uh, okay. So hopefully, if I press play, we should get some joyful mm -hmm. sounds. Oh, that's great. I can't wait for you to take down on this video. <laughs> oh, I can stop it. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I want this to happen. Because <laughs> sometimes it's a little ridiculous and this is always, there's always I, good examples. I tried to go, I thought that was probably the, maybe the safest thing I could put in. Um, yeah, that's great. Recognizable, but. Excellent. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I think this is the first ever uh, live on video. Yes. Committee, yeah. block and spieling. Yes. <laughs> All yeah. right, cool. The project's coming along, it looks yeah, like. So learn guide very soon. So. Learn guide right. very soon. And then folks can check out um, not only um, some of these projects, but a little bit of uh, your story and how you got doing all this in the latest Hackspace magazine, which we just showed at the highlight of the show. I look forward to talking to your agent. So oh. <laughs> that's how, that's how this works. All right. Thank you. Thank all right, you so thanks, much, Liz. Liz. Okay, next up. Listen, no, Chris Young. We're going to go to Chris Young and then we're hey, going to go Hey, Chris. Hello. How's it going? Are we okay? Yeah. All right. Well, I've been playing around with the Freedom Wing to try to find new things that I can uh, control with my wheelchair joystick. You know, it was originally designed to play Xbox games and then we flew a, a drone with it. I've been playing uh, with a mouse emulator and I thought, why don't we make some music? So I hooked up a speaker and a tone library and tried to make a theremin. Can you hear that? Yeah. That's cool. And just by wiggling my joystick back and forth with my mouth, I get different frequencies. Uh, 
unfortunately, the joystick really doesn't have enough uh, detail or granularity. I was hoping to be able to play the Doctor Who theme song or something like that. I made another version that cut it down to just like one octave, but really, as you can see, I'm only moving that joystick about 15 or 20 millimeters, and to try to hit right on a note is a little bit hard to do. I did cut it down even further uh, to make like a, a bugle sound. I was going to play taps for Memorial Day, and that will work, but I'm not good enough at it that I want to do it on live video. But uh, it did work, and uh, it was just a, a fun project to see what I could do. Could I make some music? And at least I can make some weird space sounds. Oh, that's cool. That weird space sounds are awesome. Yeah. All right, Chris. Anyway, that was just for fun. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if people go to learn.adafruit.com, you can see Chris's latest guide to the mouse and keyboard control using the tiny USB and BLE guide. Good work. Yeah, it's a last Wednesday's show and tell. Something came up that I dropped by Thursday's John Park show and tell. So if you want to hear more about that guide, go to YouTube and look up the last week's show and tell with John Park where I talked about there. All right. Well, thank you so, so much, Chris, and it was good to see you. And uh, thanks for emailing together. Uh, Chris is my pen pal over email. It's always good to hear from you. It's great to hear from you, yeah. Chris. All right. Bye, Chris. Okay, next up. Now we're going to go to Lucian. Hello. What you got going on this hey, week? Hey. Can, you, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, You've got great. a great beard. All right, cool. Oh, yeah. Well, I've grown out the coronavirus exile yeah. beard. Now. I know. Sorry, I'm like, who is you. there? All my friends have beards, too, now, so. We're just, uh, it's the full beard crew. So this week I've been working on IMX pin claiming, which is important, but about as interesting as it sounds. So this weekend I was doing a little bit of a different project. This is Hermie. How's it going, Hermie? You want to hang out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's uh, he's a little shy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's a... Whoa. He's <laughs> alive, yeah. This is great. So, um, so Hermie is built off of a new library that I just wrote for CircuitPython for a type of servo called the Dynamixel, which is this thing, huh. um, which is basically a very smart sort of servo motor. It can do all kinds of things. Um, all of the motors are on a single wire. So hmm. you can have basically as many uh, motors as you want, just like a, a NeoPixel without having to have like a really huge breakout for them. Um, and they all give you lots of data. They can you can set a torque limit so they don't break their own gearing. You can read their temperature. You can um, really do all kinds of cool things uh, with them. So um, I've been using them for a while, but I wanted to put them all together into a fully functioning robot. So this uh, library is all uh, up on GitHub. Um, I'm going to be tuning it a little bit more, but I'll probably submit it to the community bundle um, next nice. week. Um, and uh, of course, the eyeballs are uh, my previous project, Expression Engine, which is still a little bit too rough to be 100% open and looked at. But um, I think it's good Python and robotics so is a fun. good mix. So I'm, I'm psyched to see more yeah. libraries. I think you know one of the things that I've noticed with robotics is you it's fast in C, but it really is painful. You, because you need the iteration. Yeah, of the right. You need There's a repl. There's so much tweaking robotics, you have yeah. to do, and it's right. like, 
it's just not easy to do. And, you know, that's why they have like robot operating systems where there's another computer that controls. Right, them. Ross. Yeah, so I've been interested in, in getting into Ross. I mean, one of the things that I'm really excited about for CircuitPython is the potential to do the um, support for boards like the OpenMV, which is currently supports, uh, you know, a full camera, machine yeah. vision, machine learning, you know, mm -hmm. the Q, the ARM AI module, all this stuff. Um, and it supports MicroPython, so it's, yeah, it's we're getting close. Oh, yeah, it's, the it's module potential. can copy over. I mean, they have an OpenMV module. You yeah, can just yeah. like link it in and it will work. I mean, CircuitPython and yeah. MicroPython have the same underpinning. We did the same thing with you, Jason. We're like, well, they already have it. Let's just add it. Right. Oh, it works great. Yeah. Right. So, so that's my ambition is to get that into Hermes so that he can not only, um, you know, kind of move around and, and recognize things, but actually look at you when you're looking at him, when you're talking to him, yeah. um, you know, be able to make expressions based on what your expression is, you know, make all kinds of like have, have just a lot of interactivity with robots um, and kind of bridge that gap a little bit. So right now, we'll keep, coming back, keep coming back and showing more of these projects. Maybe we'll see you next week. All right, cool, cool. All see right. Next up. next up, we're gonna go to Matt and Matt's project. I think Matt had asked to mute the project. I think it's already muted. Okay. Matt, take it away. Everyone, we're still okay on time. If everyone keep it coming. Can you unmute it for me? Yeah, go for it, Matt. All right. So I took my VT220 and I set up like a, a pie to stream it so I can uh, make it talk and display text. See if it works. Oh. Ooh. Look at this. <laughs> yep. It's, could you, oh shit, it's muted. Uh, that's okay. Do you want me to unmute the project? Uh, yes, here? Uh, it's not let me unmute it. No, mm -hmm. can because you oh you chose to mute yourself, so you can if you unmute that uh, screen share, then it'll then it'll do it. Let's see what happens. It won't let me mute. Oh, okay, okay. All right, let's try that again. Hello, Shogun Hill. I am a streaming experience created by Matt. I can talk, display text, and play music from YouTube. I am made up of a Node MCU, two Pi fours. A Pi 3 and a VT220. Awesome. So I use a USB sound card to play the music. It comes out really clear. And uh, I've tried it on Zoom, Facebook Live, Twitch, uh, Meet Me, a few other places, and it, it works all right. Awesome. I'm using the Pi Cam to stream, although I do have a backup USB camera if it causes problems. All right, great. and people can go to uh, mathmaker.org if they want to control the music. Yeah, but the link is down right now because I didn't want anybody uh, jumping in. That's a good idea. All right, but in an hour, yeah. try again. All right, well, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Very cool. Congratulations on a very complicated live demo, too. <laughs> thank you. All right, next up, we're going to go to Christy, and then we're going to go to Mark and then Old Crow. So if everybody keep it to a couple minutes, we can get to everybody. Uh, and then also Tim. So, okay, so yep. two to three minutes a piece, please. Everybody, speed round. Show your stuff. Right. See what you got. Uh, so I was excited when you showed the new the coins you're designing a few weeks ago because I I've been interested in coins lately too. Ooh. I don't know how well this is going to focus, but um, this is a silver coin. Yeah. Has, let me try it with just like this. It oh, has yeah. a COVID design and it says oh, cool. minted in uh, during the pandemic. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and it says April 2020. I can't seem to get it. That's like you see it. It had like the um, coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. And the other one is a copper. So the, the first one is one ounce of silver. 
and this is one ounce of copper. And I wanted to do a project where you could display a coin and um, also detect when it's there, like use the coin as a wire essentially. Oh, yeah. hmm. and so this is, these are hollowing, the parts that hold the, um, the convex lens on the hollowing. And I've, um, I'm using also some of the nylon screw stuff you sell. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I have wires, you know, wires are stripped and wrapped around the bottom there. So when the coin is there, it should be able to complete a circuit and should be able to detect whether the coin is there or not. Um, and so what I'm going to use that for is, and I was on the show back in December and I showed off this little guy who is uh, a, a blue fruit and a hollow wing connected together. Um, and so I've made a new variation on that, which is over here. And so this, I call these the gargoyle designs, and this will be the, the gargoyle that wants a coin. Oh, when you put a coin, it'll display something. Oh, that's put really cool. And you, yeah, you can display your coin, and you can also hopefully detect when it's there. And I'm not done with this design yet. You can see the blue fruits in the back. Yeah. I have to wire the VCC and ground, and the R, this is RX and TX. I'll wire them into the back of the Halloween, which you can kind of see is I've cut away the canvas a little bit there. And then I need to wire, you know, use analog IO or digital IO um, on the other two wires to see, to try to detect if the coin is there. Awesome. Um, All right. We'll keep right. working on this project. Excellent Come work, by. Chris. And um, congratulations on continuing to blend technology and art and now time. Um, Cause you're basically preserving a moment. Um, with that coin, because it's, you know, this is a coin from a specific time and date. So very cool project. Good work. Thank you. All right. We're going to go to Mark, and then we're going to go to Tim, and then we're going to uh, have Old Crow play us out. So Mark, take it away. Keep it to a couple minutes. Right. For sure. Uh, this is pretty quick anyways. I was demoing my robot a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That, and with the direction heading, and I'm going to try to share this and hope this plays. But I went outside to take a video of it now driving. Um, yeah, I'll see this thing take off. And so now it's actually using the sensor to detect is it driving in a straight line, making a lot of little corrections hey. along the way. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna go. And then uh, I put it on my table, and I was trying to use the the gauges on the wheels to tell how far it'll drive. So now it's just driving one direction, rotating 180 degrees yeah. in a moment, and then driving the other direction back and repeating that. It's still not incredibly accurate. After it drives in this direction, it drove off the table. <laughs> wow, that's what robots do. Yeah. Uh, but it's coming along nicely. And um, I'm learning that there's metal in everywhere because it's really messing with the magnometer wherever I go. Yeah. Metal. Yeah. It's just everywhere. That's why Magne Magneto was a powerful mutant. Yeah, he was. Metal's everywhere. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Mark. Okay. Next up, we're going to go to Tim, and then we're going to go to Old Crow. So, Tim, keep it to a couple minutes, and show us what you got. Yeah. So I decided to uh, make Robot uh, Cat Friend. Uh, hey, Robot Cat Friend. 
<laughs> this is a, a, a kit uh, called Nibble, N-Y-B-B-L-E, that was on Indiegogo, and it was also featured, I think, on Hackster.io yeah. uh, a little while back. Yeah, and it runs on an Atmega328P and runs Arduino IDE. So I just did a straight build, and it has some pre-programmed movements, so it can, you know, yeah. almost fall off the table. But <laughs> yeah, my cat is oh, you know, the time. Live demo time. But ideally, uh, wave and you know, do a little cat stretch or something like that. You know, um, oh, and it can also uh, walk as well oh, off the table. Well, you get the basic idea. It's a kitten and not a full-grown cat. It's clumsy. Yeah. So, yeah. It's um, so one one quick side story. A million years ago, I worked with Sony, and I got a chance to talk to the Sony Ibo engineers. And um, one of the things they told me was the reason they went from a dog to a puppy is because when the Ibo would crash into things, people are like, that's a stupid dog. But when it's a puppy, it's super cute. So a little trick for roboticists out there. If you want to have it like, oh, look, that little mistake with AI or machine learning, make it a younger version if it's like a, a pet looking thing. It's super cute and it's klutzy. It's not a, uh, you know, bad software implementation. So. All right. Well, I love your cat, Tim. Thanks, Thanks so much, time. Tim. That was awesome. That Thanks. Was, it was like having a real cat. Yeah, that is just <laughs> Finally, it falls off the table. Uh, all right. Old Crow Peleus out. What you got going on? I'm going to also put your screen up. Same for Old Crow's damn equity. Oops. First of all, it is my son Jason's graduation week. He is graduating high school. So Yay, congratulations, Yay. Jason. And uh, he's prepared for anything. So, you know, he can. Yeah, class of 2020 looks a little different this year. But uh, he'll probably have a commencement sometime yeah, here uh, later this summer. But uh, I just wanted to get that out there. Now, the interesting thing about this is the mask he is wearing is this one. And since you can't hear me with it on, I'll take it off. This is a mine safety appliances uh, particulate. Uh, a respirator and it is used with these cartridges made that they make to trap um, contaminants these particular ones are designed for trapping carbon monoxide these are worn by firefighters that um, uh, have to go into burning buildings and whatnot the reason I have this I wanted to show you one of my oldest uh, projects that I did after I uh, in fact I was still in school um, the uh, NIOSH, that's the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, they wanted a system to put onto a firefighter that could go into a building, and the system had to be unobtrusive. They had to be either be wearing gear that they normally use, or the add-ons that we put into the system can't encumber the firefighter because they're already wearing 50 yeah. pounds of gear, their air tank and whatnot. Anyway, the idea is when they're wearing the masks, and they're under a lot of stress. They have to bust down doors and carry people out and what have you. They're breathing really hard. And you can't have uh, leaks under the mask where they're drawing the smoke in under the seal. So what they wanted to do was find out how hard the firefighter is breathing. I actually managed to find one of the data loggers that I built. This is probably 1987. And you can see no CAD here. This is all tape and vellum, uh, single-sided boards, 
that long row of pads on the end would connect to the second board that I can't find. It had all the memory on it. It had 128K of static RAM, which back then was slightly expensive. But it used, um, you know, here's your game changer, the Max 232. You could get them even back then. Uh, and then a couple chips. This is an 8-bit AD, and then you had an analog switch that would connect to the this connector I put on the side. You, they would plug in... Um, an umbilical that connected the pressure sensor array, and I'll have to find one of the pressure sensors to show you because they're not these tiny little things anymore. They're about eh, about that big. Um, but the code for the logger itself, this this was a Z8. That was the thing I used back then. It was all you know, assembly language. It would measure the uh, pressure and whatnot and build a table in static RAM, and it was battery-powered. It ran on... Um, 12 volts of N cells, and this is probably long since dead, but you know, today we would do it slightly differently. But the other half was there was a, back then, instead of CircuitPython, the thing you used was um, uh, Turbo Pascal, because right. it yeah. compiled really quickly, and you could get object code that you could fix in a ROM and run, but... Mm -hmm. Importantly, you can steal it from your friends easily. Everybody yeah, has well, that, that too. But we would use, I, I wrote the program to analyze the data files and it would create, if I could find this stuff, remember this was like 35 years ago. So I, I keep everything. I'm a pack rat. But if I can find the code and stuff, I'll, I'll bring that up in a future show and tell and show you how it went yeah. down. It would display a graph on screen and they could print them out and they could get an idea of how hard the person was breathing and they would submit that data to Mine Safety and Scott Aviation and the other places that made air tanks and masks and whatnot so that they could improve their product. You made, you made ADA loggers before we were even thinking about ADA loggers. All right, so. Sean, you have to add anomaly sensing for uh, yeah. firefighter breathing next. All right, well, um, excellent Turbo work. Pascal. I have one favor, Old Crow. Could you please tell your son, it's Jason, right? Yes. Can you tell Jason that um, our uh, thoughts are going Jason's way because he is part of the next generation that's going to help solve and fix all the things that we all broke. So uh, no pressure. Uh, looking forward to all the things you do. And congratulations. I know it's a weird year, but I'm so glad to see, um, you know, another smart person moving on in the world and doing the next big thing. Uh, please fix everything. We kind of broke it. Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, that's every generation has to pick up the pieces from the generation before. So I'm looking forward to all the things that Jason works on. So please well, send your regards on that and more. He right now he's daunted by the prospect of going to college. And right now we, we don't know when he'll be able to enroll and all that. He's been at, we've been in conversation with places, but we'll keep you posted. Yeah. Uh, I'll try and get him in here the next time I'm on. Yeah. That'd be great. All right, cool. All right, thank you so much. I thank you, Crow. Thanks, everybody. All right, that's our show overnight. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, all the people who came on the show and tell you for team members, the entire community. We do this every single week, 7 p.m. Next week, a little programming note. Uh, JP and Adafruit team will be running the show and tell because this engineer is on a city council now to help restart the New York economy. And next week, the meeting is around the same time because they do it on Wednesdays. Lady Ada had one earlier today. They changed the time. Changed the time. Uh, but uh, don't worry, the entire team will be taking care of things. So show up here next week, same time, same place, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., full show and tell. Thank you so much for making this the best hour that we have every single week. We'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer in just a couple of minutes. Bye, everybody.